When you come to know Jesus, He works to cleanse, heal, and change your mind. This is the third message in the series, It's Time to Change Your Mind. The message is entitled, Increase Your Expectations. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, we are involved in a series of messages entitled, It's Time to Change Your Mind. This is the third installment tonight in the series. I would encourage you, if you have not yet uh, been in all the messages, the first two messages, it's very easy to go back on our website. Again, it's church-redeemer.org, and you can simply download the messages that you've missed. If perhaps you have missed some as a part of the series, free of charge, therefore you just quickly download them and listen to, to them at your own convenience. But it's great to stay up with the sequence of messages. As I said, we are on the third installment. I want to talk tonight about increasing your expectations. Would you say that for with me, increasing your expectation. I want to talk to you tonight about this idea of changing your mind as it, as it relates to the expectations of your life. How you think about God, how you think about yourself, how you think about other people is extremely important. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, be careful, watch out, be on guard against what you think because your thoughts are doing what? Running your life. As I've talked about before in this series, God gave us this incredible thing called a brain that sits in your skull, and that's a great organ of the body, but the brain is only as effective as the programming that goes into it. And so your software is the way that you think, and so your mind or your brain operates by reason of what's programmed into your mind, and that relates to how you think. And so God very clearly says, be careful, be very careful what you think, because it is your thoughts that are actually running your life. This is also found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, just reviewing a couple of scriptures for you that are foundational to the series. Do not conform to the patterns of this world or the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, there's that word again, your mind, your thoughts. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, that you and I are transformed, our lives, and we talked about that word last weekend being the word change. We're talking a lot about change in this series, that we're changed or transformed by a renewing, a changing of the way that we think, that we get the new creation that God made us to be, uh, and we think accordingly or we begin to develop what the Scripture refers to as the mind of Christ. Now, when it comes to thinking, there's a key part of your thinking that maybe you've never really uh, considered before, but a part of your thinking relates to your expectations, what you expect out of life. So expectations don't initially start in your heart or in your emotions. Expectations start in your mind, and they usually start on the basis of some kind of assumption that you make about what someone is going to do for you or on a promise that someone gives you. That if I make a promise to you, you're going to expect that something will happen, or sometimes you will simply assume that certain things are going to happen, and you set up an expectation in your mind that creates emotions. And by the way, all of your emotions in life are coming from thought processes. We tend to try to fix feelings and emotions without really understanding that they're based in our thinking. And so an expectation really has to do with a thought process. And I'm going to use another word that is perhaps more familiar to you in terms of this context. And I'm going to use this word faith because faith is also a thought process. Faith is about an expectation that you have in God. That's really what faith is. So we can sort of boil it down. 
We often use the word believe, but to believe means you have an expectation that God is going to do something in your life. For example, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So if I believe in Jesus, who he is, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he rose from the grave, that I can have the expectation that I'm going to have eternal life. I can believe, I can have the faith that that's going to happen in my life, and indeed I do. So expectations are a key part of life. And your expectation, and a key part of faith, and your expectations are critical to your functioning. Psychologists have proven the fact that you rise or fall to the level of your expectations. There have actually been studies done with students that even when teachers in a classroom have a certain kind of an expectation, either low or high for a student or students in their classroom, that generally speaking, by reason of testing that has occurred, that students rise or fall oftentimes to the level of even the, the teacher's expectations of them. So expectations are extremely powerful as indeed is our faith. In Matthew chapter 9, there's a story of two blind men coming to Jesus asking for healing. And of course, Jesus did all kind of healing miracles, as you're well aware of. As you go through the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in Scripture, you see these healing miracles of Jesus. But there are two men that come to Jesus, and, and they say, Jesus, heal us. And Jesus asks them a question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you have the expectation? Do you have the faith or expectation that I can do this for you? And they said, yes, we believe that you do. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 9. And then I want you to notice what Jesus said in response to them in verse number 29 of Matthew 9. Then he touched their eyes and said, would you read the rest with me? According to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, let it be done according to your expectation in me. Not just some generalized expectation, but expectation in the power that Jesus had to do this in their life. And so indeed, Jesus is telling, telling us, uh, giving us a principle here that your faith or your expectations in life results oftentimes in what is happening in your life. Would you agree? That how you pursue your relationship with God and the level of your faith in God is going to work its way out in how you behave and the things that you try or, or, or the things you stay away from. And it's just going to not only monitor the development of your life, but, to, but actually control a dimension of how you choose to live your life. There's another example of this in the book of Mark chapter 9. And I'll tell you a little bit about this story before we read these verses. Uh, Jesus had been on the uh, mountaintop. He comes down, and when he comes down, he finds that there's a, a man there with his son who was demonized, and the disciples had been trying to cast the demon out, and they'd not been able to do so. And so now Jesus approaches the situation to provide help to the father and this demonized boy. So Jesus asked the boy's father, how, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, but if you... If you, if you can, you see that there? Notice the boy's father saying, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Notice what happens next. If you can, Jesus said, or said Jesus, read the last phrase with me, everything is possible. 
possible for the one who believes. And so, again, we're seeing, I'm laying a foundation tonight to help us to understand that your faith really matters. Your expectations in God really affect how you live your life and really what happens in your life as well. I'll give you one more in laying this foundation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Notice what it says. And without faith, without expectation in God, everybody's still tracking with me on that, right? Without faith, without expectation in God, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe, must have expectations that He exists and expectations or believe that He does what? He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And so I just want to lay the foundation for us tonight that your faith, your expectations, your beliefs really matter and your faith, your belief, your expectations has to do with how you think. And so I want to help us tonight to learn how to be, I'll write it down here for us, and then I'll ask you to say it with me, faith thinkers. Say it with me. Would you all agree that it's a whole lot better to be a faith thinker than a doubt thinker? Would you agree? I'll ask you again. It's a lot better to be a faith thinker than a doubt thinker, right? Because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So, so the question becomes, how are you doing with your faith? Is your faith sort of dormant over here somewhere? Or do you actually have an active faith? Do you have an active expectation day by day in God and what God can do and will do in your life? And so for these next few moments, I want to talk to you about how to become more of a faith thinker. Now, I'll also say as a little bit of a caveat, all of us are on this journey we, we're not, there's not a perfect person in, in terms of, uh, of, of the Christian life that always gets faith rights. Everybody doubts from time to time, okay? There are moments that we all face those experiences of doubts, and is this really going to come through? Is God's promise going to work in this situation? We all have those moments, and so I'm not talking about getting to the place where you're like, uh, you know, think that you can walk on water. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about a practical level of faith in your life where you really approach life from the expectation of confidence in God, and it changes the way you feel and the way that you act. So let me give you three things that I think are, will be vital to helping us in this process. certainly helps me as I think about this. Here's your first thing. Right expectations require first what I would call God-given inspiration. You have to have some inspiration if you're going to have expectation. The surest way to be disappointed in your life, and by, dis, by, 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 uh, by the way, disappointment is what happens when expectations aren't fulfilled, correct? Okay. So if my expectations don't get fulfilled, what do I feel? Disappointed, right? Okay. And so the surest way to live a disappointed life is to build your expectations on your own view of yourself or on the view of the world around you or on negative opinions of yourself or negative opinions of other people. If you're thinking like the world thinks, I promise you, you're going to live a life that is, will be filled with lots of disappointments. There are a lot of people in our world today, their whole life is nothing more than a really big disappointment. And so if you're going to have confidence in your expectations to be fulfilled in your life, you need to make sure that you're inspired by a reliable source. How many of you know that a liar can give you a promise, but it means nothing? If you believe the promise of a liar, you're going to be disappointed. Okay. That expectation is going to disappoint you. 
And so it's extremely important that we determine where we're going to get inspiration from for our lives because you need inspiration to live. You can't live without inspiration. Actually, the real meaning of the Greek word inspired means to be breathed into. And so there's a certain dimension of being inspired that it brings life. It brings breath to you. And so it's hard to live when you lack inspiration. But the question becomes, where are you getting your inspiration? And I would submit to you tonight, based upon what Scripture says and my experience, as well as the experience of so many people through millennia, that God is is the only reliable source for good and strong and right expectations expectations. If you're getting your expectations from anybody other than God, I promise you, you're going to live a life of disappointment to various degrees. And God wants to inspire you. He wants to inspire you with a vision for your life. He wants to, I'll give another word here, he wants to breathe promises into your life that are promises for you. God has promises, or God has vision for you. Now, I'm going to turn that around in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to say it with me, but I'll tell you what to say, and I hope you'll say it with some level of conviction. God has promises for me. Say it with me. God has promises for me. We need to hear ourselves saying that. God has a vision for me. Say that together. God has a vision for me. Now, how do we know that God has promises for us and God has a vision for us? Because God made us with purpose. Every one of us are unique. We all have different personalities. We all have different uh, gift mixes. We're all different and we all are very unique. And But God uniquely made us. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And so you are not an accident. You're not on planet earth accidentally, and you're not an accidental purpose, a person. There is a purpose for your life. You are significant to God. It's extremely valuable for us to grasp this because we're talking about inspiration, and that's where faith comes from. You'll never have faith. You'll never have expectation for what God wants to do in your life unless there's an inspired moment that you believe that God can give promise to you. I want to take you to a story in the Old Testament that I think very accurately and adequately illustrates this. It's a story found in the book of Judges. I'll set it up for you, and then we'll read some verses in just a moment. In the book of Judges, there's this interesting season in Israel's history where they're up and down in their relationship with God. They're serving God one moment, then they they walk away from God, and God allows enemies to come in, and then they turn back to God again. And this is one of those seasons in Judges chapter 6 where there's a group of people called the Midianites who are terrorizing the people of God. The Bible says that every time Israel would have any kind of harvest season, the Midianites would just sweep into their land and steal all of the harvest away from them and leave the fields ravaged. And of course, because of that, the Israelites were living not only in fear, but in poverty. They were hurting very, very desperately because of the season that they were in. And during this period of time, in Judges chapter 6, a man comes to the forefront that I want to talk about just for a moment. His name was Gideon. Look with me, if you will, at Judges chapter 6, because I want you to see an inspirational moment for Gideon and how it changed his life. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. 
Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah. Ophrah, not Oprah, by the way. It's Ophrah, okay. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So what was he doing? An angel comes to him, but where where does the angel find him? He's hiding in a cave. And what he's doing, he's got a little bit of grain there, and he's threshing out the grain, and he's hiding because why? The Midianites, every time they found any food, what would they do? They would take it away. And so he's living in fear, and he's living in a cave. But nevertheless, the angel of the Lord came to him. Aren't you glad that you can never get away from God? Okay, isn't that good to know? Okay. You can be in the deepest, darkest cave, and God knows your address. If you're here tonight, you're in some cave in your life, and it seems really, really dark, don't you ever think that God doesn't know where you are. He knows exactly where you are. He knew where Gideon was, and he sent the angel of the Lord to that particular place where he was in fear. And let's continue in the story here. The Bible says, here's the angel's words, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now stop for a moment. Doesn't that seem kind of unusual? Here's a guy hiding out of fear in a cave, and what does God call him? See, God sees stuff in you that you don't see in yourself. He knows where you are, and he sees things in you that you'll never see in yourself. Mighty hero, the Lord, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You ever asked that question before? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the, to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending who? You. Why don't you get that picture there for a moment? Here is Gideon in the cave, living in fear. His level of expectation can be wrapped up in one word. He had one expectation for his life. Survival. If I can just survive, if I can get enough food just to get by right now, then maybe day to day, that's the most that I can expect out of life. And there are a lot of people that are living that way. Their expectations are extremely low. If I can just barely make by, I'm probably never going to be able to succeed very much or I'll never be able to have these kind of things in my life or accomplish these things in my life. And so they live with very low levels of expectation. And Gideon's low level of expectation had been created by the circumstances he was living in. You know that circumstances over a period of time can really wear you down? They can wear you down just like they did for Gideon. And so here's this God moment. In this moment, God shows up in Gideon's life and he was invaded with a vision. All of a sudden, he's been given a vision that he's, he's never even thought about for his own life. And he has a vision not only for himself, but it's going to positively affect his family. And it even goes further than that. It's going to actually affect the nation. That suddenly he, he sees, he is inspired in a moment that things could be better than they are right now. Things are bad right now, but God just stepped 
into my world, and God just told me that even though things are bad right now, things could be better. He called me a mighty hero. The old translation says a mighty man of valor, and he told me to go out and do something that he's going to use me to make a difference in the world around me. And so there in that moment, here's all I want you to see right now. God stepped into Gideon's world, and he inspired him with a vision. He said, don't just think about surviving. I want you to think about thriving. Don't just think about barely making it. No, I want to raise you up in such a way that you can have a better life. Your family can have a better life, and the nation can have a better life. I'm sending you. I picked you, you mighty man of valor, you mighty hero. God wants to change your expectation, dear one. He wants to change your expectations in life from defeat and failure and fear and restriction into a level of expectation, of victory, of success, of courage, of freedom, of possibilities. This is the kind of God that we serve. I'm not talking about some, some weird kind of doctrine that everybody is going to be hyper you know, uh, uh, prosperous and all that kind of garbage. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about that God wants to bring you to the highest potential that he created you to experience in life, okay? Whatever that is. I don't know what it is for all of us, but we all have a different dimension, but he wants to bring you to your highest and best. Jesus gave us an example of this. I love this example as well. In John chapter 5, he shows up at a place called the Pool of Bethesda, and there's a man that's lying there. I don't have time to go into the whole story. Most of you know the story anyway. He's been there for 38 years. Never been able to get well. Never got into the water. Never been able to get well. But when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, what did he ask him? Do you want to get well? There's so many things we could talk about in that one statement, but I believe one thing was happening here in this man's life as Jesus spoke that, uh, asked that question. Jesus was trying to lift the man's vision. Jesus was trying to change his expectations. He was saying, you don't always have to be this way. It's been a long time, but just because something's been a long time doesn't mean it can't change. Oh, my goodness. I want to just sit right there for a moment, okay? Did you hear that? Even though something in your life may have been there for a long time, don't you ever believe that God can't still change it, okay? 38 years had been the situation for this man. Jesus gave him a dose of inspiration. And I would submit to you tonight that Jesus wants to give you a dose of inspiration. He wants to come along with a heavenly spoon and say, open your mouth wide. I'd like for you to take this medicine. It's called faith. I'd like for you to take this medicine. It's called belief. It's, I want you to take this medicine. It's called expectation. Psalm 3, verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's go to the second point, okay? You guys are a good crowd tonight. You guys are responding that's awesome. Good. Number two, God-given inspiration must become personal anticipation. Sequence here. This is, this, is a, this is an order that I want to lay out for you tonight. Inspiration is wonderful, but unless it becomes personal, it's going to fade away quickly. 
You don't need to raise your hand on this, but we've all, um, I'm sure you've experienced at times in your life, moments of great inspiration, haven't you? Okay. You just like, whatever it was, maybe it was a good sermon you heard, or you read a particular scripture verse, or it was a worship service, or something happened, and you just felt like, wow, I can conquer the world. You feel so strong and powerful inside, and so encouraged in your life. But what happens if it doesn't really get deep inside of you, it fades over time. It's, like, it's sort of like a fog that comes in. You, you could see it for a time, but the fog of hopelessness comes back in, and the fog of situations begins to uh, obscure that sunlight of that future that you saw. And so anticipation is what makes it personal. You have to translate this into, yeah, I'm inspired, but how do I get it down on the inside of me so that it's very, very personal, that I'm now looking ahead to how it's going to happen in my life. Just like I said a moment ago, that God has a purpose for your life, that God wants to move you and me from just the level of survival to a level of thriving in life and being everything that God wants us to be, whatever that is. But that has to, be, it has to go beyond sitting in this service tonight, right? You can feel that while we're here, but it's got to move with you uh, into tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So it's very real inside of your life. And the same thing had to happen for Gideon. It was not enough for him to have that inspirational moment. God set him up for some anticipation. Let's take a look now at the story, continue in Judges chapter 6. Just stop for a moment. Everybody still with me so far? We're all together? Okay, good. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have. We read that a moment ago. And, and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm se- I am sending you. But Lord, this is where it's starting to get personal. When you start responding back to God, contradicting what God is trying to tell you, that's when it's starting to get personal. Correct? Okay. But God getting replied, How can I? You don't know me, God. Don't, you don't know the, who I am. He's going to describe himself here in just a moment. How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the... You don't, you don't know what family I come from, God? You haven't checked out my family tree? Don't you know who my uncle is? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. What you're seeing here is you're seeing the struggle for Gideon to make this personal. What you're seeing here is you're seeing Gideon begin to, explain, begin to lay out all the excuses why this couldn't be real for him. I'm sure it felt good, but he now is trying to struggle to make it real in his own life. Now look what else he says. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign. Show me a sign to prove that it's really the the Lord speaking to me. All I want you to see in this part of this this message is I just want you to see that there's there's this transition that has to happen in our lives from inspiration to anticipation, personal, that I, I now know, yeah, it's real in my life. Not just a feel-good moment, but it's something that becomes settled inside of me. God has a vision for your life. God has a purpose for your life. But you have to get your butts out of the way. That didn't come out right. Sorry. 
with one T. Okay. okay. It's just, I'm going to have to recapture myself here a little bit here. Maybe that's the truth. Maybe it's with two T's. I don't know. Okay. You got to figure that one out yourself. I don't know. Okay. But if you don't get those B-U-T's out of the way, okay, if you don't address that, it'll never become personal in your life. You've got to get to the point of saying, you know what? It's really not about what family I came from. It's really not who my dad is or who my mom is. It's really not who my crazy uncle is. It's not really about what I have or haven't done in my past. It's not about any of those things in my life. If God said it, he means it. And if God means it, he'll do it, okay? And so it's getting rid of those butts in your life that are getting in the way of it becoming personal for you. You can be inspired all day long, but until you get the butts out of the way, those, what the things that are excusing you from really receiving it into your life, it's never going to become real and become very practical in how you live your life. And God has a vision for your life. There's a purpose for you. And that purpose, he wants to put expectation. God doesn't want to lower your expectation. God wants to raise your expectations. See, the world wants to lower your expectations. The world wants to beat you down and crush you in the ground and push you in a cave somewhere and shut everything off and say, just live there and survive. And God says, no, I, have, I want you to thrive in everything that I made you to be, but you're going to have to get some of those excuses out of the way. Amen? Let's go to the third point. Personal anticipation produces practical what? Motivation. I'm not just trying to be cute with these words tonight. These are very important words. Inspiration has to become personal anticipation. I believe it can happen in my life. And still that's not enough. Because you can have personal anticipation and still not add the third category, the third element, and that's practical what? motivation motivation is you got to get moving okay you can't keep doing life the same way that you've done it before you can't keep thinking the same way you've always thought you can't keep living the way you've always lived you have to start making some changes who was it that said that insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over again expecting different results there are a lot of people who want different results but they're not changing anything that results that that's causing those results in their life and so here's this process something inspires me god inspires me and he gives me something that says this is something I want to do in your life just like he did for Gideon and now I'm, I get the, the excuses out of the way and I, I, I now say okay God I'm going to ask for a sign help me to know that I can believe your promise and then from that believing of the promise I need to follow a plan everybody say plan there's a lot of people who have great dreams but don't have any plans your dreams, I'm sorry to tell you, but your dreams will not get you anywhere. Dreams are inspirational. You all need them. We all need them. But I will tell you that if that's all you have, they never do anything for you until a dream becomes an anticipation inside of you that says, yes, I'm going to go after this in my life. I'm going to let God do this in my life. And now how am I going to do it? There's a plan that goes along with it. 
That's the vital part of the process. You've got to personalize the motivation. Here's, let's go back to Gideon again. We're about to wrap up the story with Gideon here. Well, actually, this is a good verse too. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Here's Gideon now. So Gideon, what did he do? He was in a cave. God said, you're a mighty man of valor. I don't want you living in the cave. You don't have to just survive. I've got something far more for you. Go and deliver Israel. So he presses through his excuses. And now the next thing we see him doing is what? Building an an altar. Everybody say action. He could have sat in the cave all day long and quoted what God said to him. And it would never have become reality. But he gets out and begins to do something. He built an altar to the Lord, and there he called it the Lord is peace. That's where we get our phrase Jehovah Shalom from. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abiezite, writes, The same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. So now God's giving him some more instruction, something to do. Okay, Tear down, that's action, would you agree? Okay. Get out of the cave, do something, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build, there's another action, build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of, the, uh, of this height, uh, on the top of this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. That's action, okay? Now notice what else. So Gideon took, the t- took ten of his servants and thought about called a committee together and discussed the idea as to whether it was really a good thing to do or not. No? No. No. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople. He did it at night rather than the day. The good news is he did it, but he did it afraid. You know, sometimes you just got to do stuff afraid, okay? You're not going to always have the greatest courage in the world, but, but he was still afraid. He didn't know what his dad was going to do to him, but he made the decision. I'm going to do this anyway. See, what's happening, here's what I want you to see. So many things in this story, but I want you to see that Gideon's thinking was changing. The Gideon we first meet in the cave is now beginning to be a different Gideon that we're seeing now taking some action. Why? Because he's, he's thinking differently. And what has caused him to think differently? God showed up in his life and inspired him and gave him something to expect for his future. And Gideon said, okay, I've got to get my excuses out and get my excuses out of the way. I've got to make this personal belief that this really can happen in my life, that my life doesn't have to stay this way and the nation's life doesn't have to stay this way. And then he had to get up and start doing something different than he'd ever done before. He had to do some things. He had to actually be motivated to action. The same was true in the story that we mentioned a moment ago in John chapter 5. Same thing happened. Different story, same process. So Jesus had asked the man the question. We had a different story now. Remember the pool of Bethesda guy there? Remember the question Jesus asked him? Do you want to get well, right? Jesus said to him, come on, help me out here. Stay laying there in your misery. I'm going to levitate you up until you can, and then you'll start miraculously walking. 
without you having to do anything. Is that what he said? We got to get past that mentality that God's going to do everything for us. Okay? God doesn't do everything for you. Okay? God inspires you and he gives you promises and he, he helps you deal with your excuses and all that stuff. Yes, God is, he, he's, he's up to all that. He, he works that way. In our, but sometimes you got to get up, pick up your mat and walk. When that man got up and picked up his mat and walked, he was walking not by reason of what he felt like he had. He was walking by reason of the promise that Jesus gave to him. He is now taking steps of faith with his life. He got up and he picked up his mat and he walked and then notice what happens at once the man was cured. It didn't say he was cured first. It says he was cured after he got up. Okay. Some of you are waiting to be cured before you get up and walk. Okay. God's saying, no, no, no. Get up. Get up off that mat that you've been laying on. Get out of that cave that you've been hiding in for your whole life. And you've been trying to survive and wondering if you're barely going to make it. And raise up your expectations. I am God and I created you for a purpose. I have promises for your life. Get a hold of those promises. Get your butts out of the way. Get your excuses out of the way. And just start getting up and doing some things differently in your life. And beginning to put some motivation to it. And I I promise you, you're going to be cured. There's a new life for you, okay? Because your thinking changes. Vision, promise, expectation, personal faith, action, all those things are the things that result in us being able to have changes in our thinking. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you tonight. Thank you so much for your word. We're grateful for for speaking to us. Lord, we need to hear these messages. We need to be reminded that you're not wanting to create low expectations for us. You have high expectations for our lives. Many promises that you want us to live by and and live on. And I pray for each one of us to open our hearts to receive the promise of God. Let it inspire us like we've never been inspired before. Lord, let it get down on the inside of us so it drives the excuses out of our life. And Father, let us begin to take the action that you want us to take. So we'll see the cure that you want to bring to our lives, the thriving that you have planned for us. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.